0: So I think even if you're in a situation where you you know have um, a lot of other things going on and you just can't up and quit, make a plan. That's the best advice I can give you. Make a plan and stick to it. Think about your financial runway. Sit down and think about your expenses. How much money do you actually need to live off? Welcome
1: to the Coffee with Courtney podcast. I'm your host, Courtney Marie, web designer and CEO of Courtney Marie & Co., After building a multiple six-figure design agency, I wanted to create a podcast to share everything I've learned and am still learning to help you grow your business. Each week, you'll hear from me and other experts, share tips on branding, marketing, business, and so much more. So if you're ready to learn how to run a successful business and stand out online, grab your cup of coffee and let's dive in. Hello and welcome back. So today we are having a special guest come on. She's actually a previous client, well and current client because we have a new project coming up. Um, And I've connected with Ellen in the online space. So Ellen is a corporate escapee turned six-figure social media strategist and coach. She's based in New Zealand and has just celebrated her second year year full-time in her business, which is awesome. Um, By the time we release this, it'll be, you know, still two-year mark. Um, But today we are talking about everything Instagram, how she got started, and how she actually reached six figures with only 3,000 followers on Instagram and just diving into the ups, downs, struggles, and what she had to overcome to get to where she is today. So welcome,
0: Ellen. Hi, I always feel weird when people introduce me, and I'm just here like, "Oh, oh, that's me!" Like it's yeah. still, even though it's been two years, it catches me by surprise. <laughs>
1: it, it goes by fast, doesn't it? Mm,
0: yeah, definitely.
1: Because we're kind of the same time frame as far as like the agency-wise, our agency is two, two years. So same time frame, but, um, I'd actually love to, before we get into the episode, let's go ahead and go through rapid fire. Cause that's how we do it here. Um, so I'll just ask you a series of questions. First thing that comes to your mind, what book has had the biggest impact on your life?
0: Oh, I always say, um, we should all be millionaires by Rachel Rogers. I actually only read it a few months ago, but it's like such a powerful book. It just, I think really speaks to female entrepreneurs, And making more money, which is an important thing as females because we are often sitting in the back burner a little bit with our male counterparts (laughs) out-earning us.
1: Yeah, I'll have to add that to my list of books for sure. What's the biggest lesson that you've learned in business?
0: I would say mindset is the most important thing in business. That's what I've really learned. If you have the mindset and the confidence to just back yourself and keep going, that's really a game changer. When I really started believing in myself and being Mm. like, yep, I am an expert. I'm a boss. I can do this. That completely changed the game for me. And it impacts every aspect of your business. You know How you talk to your clients, how you run your business, but then also how much money you can charge if you have... Mm you know, a really strong mindset, suddenly you can jump on a discovery call and be like, cool, my rate is $1,000. And you don't even blink twice at that, which still blows my mind a little bit.
1: <laughs> yeah, when we first started, we're like, it's, um, that'll be $1,000. <laughs> and then you'd be like, but but I can give you a discount. Yeah, right? <laughs> oh my gosh. Definitely remember that. Uh, favorite quote or mantra?
0: Oh, one that I have... Um, on my vision board or maybe it's my vision board. Oh, my vision board, my first year in business, I have like little mood boards for each year. Oh, I <laughs> and I have that. one that says I can and I will watch me. And it's so simple but so impactful I find because there are going to be a lot of people who doubt you in business mm-hmm. and be kind of like, "What are you doing? Are you sure that's going to make money? Are you sure you want to leave your job?" and really <laughs> yeah. question you. And I just think the whole idea of just being believing in yourself and not worrying about those people and just showing them, like, just watch me. I'm going to do it. I don't don't have all the answers right now, but just watch me. Um, Yeah. So that was very much my motto for my first year in business. It was actually something my mom found for me. She was like, I think this is for you this year, (laughs) which
1: I love. Oh, that's great. Oh, and it's so true. Like people who are telling you those things, like we all get it. Um, I think they're just operating out of their fears Mm. and it's, we just can't take it personal. Like they're just
0: trying to protect us at the end of the day. Often it's out of love, isn't it?
1: (laughs) Yeah. Right. But that's, or at least that's what we tell ourselves. (laughs) Um, what does success mean to you?
0: Mm, This is an interesting one because I think when I started my business, I had a very different picture of what success was, you know, to me, success was growing a really big agency, having all these employees under me and, and taking on as many different accounts and clients as possible. And when I started my business, I actually realized I didn't want that traditional idea of success. Mm -hmm. For me, success was all about the freedom and the flexibility. And I now have a team of three working with me, which is awesome. They're all contractors. And I'm really happy with that. I almost, especially these past six months, I'm almost like, I don't want anything bigger because it takes away my creativity and my involvement. And I always get family members or other maybe older white male (laughs) business owners being like, oh, so like you're going to go and bigger with your agency and work with these people and hire these people. And I'm like, no, because I'm really happy with what I have and it works with my lifestyle. I don't want to be a crazy busy busy agency owner managing a staff of 20 people and never able to take a holiday or any of that stuff. To me, success is having that freedom, that flexibility and that Perfect, I guess, abundance that matches your lifestyle.
1: Yeah, we we actually went through that. Or I I, I always say we like <laughs> kind of. Do I say I? <laughs> do I say we? Um, I went through that this year. Growing the agency, we we scaled to seven people, but then we scaled back to four. And it's like I'm happy. Like I'm I'm just happy in with four, and that's enough. At least mm. for now, it is. Um, so I really, I think- I'm really glad you brought that up.
0: Yeah, I think some people question you being like, "Oh, you're just like scared or like you just don't want to go bigger because you know, that's a big shift." But it's I think it's come along with the internet, we can have these massively successful companies and mm-hmm. they can still be small, you know? They don't yeah. have to be crazy large like they did in I don't know, the 90s, like that was how it was done, and I think it's often people who don't understand online business and all of the exciting sort of pathways you can go from there. They're the ones being like, oh, why isn't it bigger? Like, why don't you have a bigger state team? Like, oh, you turned down a client. Why don't you just hire a new person? Yeah.
1: I don't know. For me, it's like more responsibility. Like you said, mm-hmm. I I like the time freedom that I have. And if I think growing bigger means more responsibility, more management, and less involvement in the creative part. Um, and so if you're creative, like it's hard for you to fully step out of that fulfillment phase. Exactly. Yeah. Um, okay. Last one. What piece of advice would you
0: tell your younger self? Oh, oh my gosh. Stop worrying about what other people think. (laughs) 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 Probably something I still need to tell myself today even, but as a kid it's funny that i can sit here in a podcast interview and and chat so candidly like this now but i was talking about it on my instagram stories the other day as well being like i was the most shy kid ever i was so oh, afraid really? of everything I was such a nerd, like I would sit there with, you know, a group of girls at lunchtime and they were all gossiping and talking. I would read my like Twilight book or my Hunger Games or just whatever teen fiction novel I could get my hands on. I was just that shy kid and you know, I found it really hard to get invited to parties. Like I just wanted to go home and study and like, I, I just wish I could go back to my younger self and just be like, have some more fun girl. And just like, not everyone is thinking about you. They're not watching (laughs) you. They're watching themselves. Like, yeah. So that's been a really cool part. I think of running my own business is it has made me so much more confident and carefree. Um, a lot of my friends say that like, it's, Like I've I've blossomed or like I've come out of my shower. Like I'm quite a different person to who I was, you know, two, three years ago.
1: Yeah. And I think the older you get, or at least the older we get, I think the less we care. Mm. I don't know. That's something I've learned, especially like turning 30. I'm like, you know what? I don't really care anymore. (laughs) The 20 somethings are like a mess.
0: Yeah. Well, that's what they say. They say the 30s is the best year of your life. So, years.
1: (laughs) Yeah. guess we'll see. Um, Okay, cool. So uh, before we dive into Instagram, I want to touch on kind of your journey uh, from going from corporate to building your own business, because I think uh, there's a lot of people listening that will really relate to that, whether they maybe just want a side hustle or hobby, or they do want to leave corporate and really take off with their business. So Tell us a little bit about what you were doing in the corporate space, for how long. What got you started into the online space, and just that whole transition for you.
0: Mm, love that. Well, I always used to call myself a serial side hustler. I always had some sort of extra project on the go. Uh, I loved having something else and something that was also my own. You know, my my dad owned his own business. I had a couple of family members who did. So I always had that kind of example, I guess, in my, in my life or in Mm -hmm. my family. And I was 16 when I started a fashion blog with my sister. And the reason I actually started that was because I wanted to work in magazines and I couldn't get an internship anywhere. Surprisingly, no one wanted to hire a 16 year old (laughs) and I couldn't get a job. Like I sent off this horrible CV that had like a pink Swirly cursive bond. <laughs> like nobody wanted. To, nobody wanted that in their office. So I was like, "Fine, I'll just start a blog." Because I was an awful writer. I wanted to be a writer, and I I was good in the sense of storytelling, but I couldn't spell. I was awful. It was typos. It was grammar. It was terrible. So I was like, "Okay, let's start a blog. Let's practice my writing because you know I want to be a magazine editor one day." So I did that all through high school and university, and it was just just to help me get that job in the end. Like, that's all I thought about it. Like, oh, it'd be cool to, you know, do full-time blogging, but you know, mm-hmm. that's not realistic. We need to be, you know, keep our eyes on the goal. And eventually, you know, I got that interview at the, at, at the dream magazine role and I ended up getting that job. And it was in the interview, actually, they asked me like, ah, oh, so what is this blog that you do? Is, is that going to impact your work? And I was like, oh no, 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 not at all. You know, <laughs> I'm I'm just using that to have it on my resume like I'm dedicated to this career path blah 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 <laughs> and then sure enough I started my corporate job I was an entertainment writer which oh, when I look so back cool. yeah it, it's it sounds like the coolest career ever like you got to interview celebrities, you know, you spent, you know, your time watching TV shows and movies and reviewing them, going to premieres. And then there was some really awesome travel trips involved involved with that. So writing mm-hmm. for the travel pages of the magazine. Um, I got flown to like Los Angeles, all the way from the Old New Zealand, which was crazy for me, to like interview Will I Am. So you have crazy stories oh, like cool. that. So your friends and family look at you when you say, I'm not really enjoying my job. Like, I think I need to do something different. And they're like, you're crazy, Alan. Like, look at you. You just went to Fiji last week. Like, stop complaining. And I really struggled for a while. Sort of thinking, what is it that I actually want to do? Because this is all I want, uh, all I had sort of wanted and worked towards since I was 13. You know, that nerd in, in high school was working towards this. This was why she didn't go to the parties. This was mm-hmm. why she was studying, because she was so dedicate, dedicated to this goal. And yeah, there was a lot to deal with. And that was when the blog obviously came back into the story. Because I was like, you know what? I really love the internet, this online world. I loved things that were digital. I loved, the analytics behind social media and my blog and magazines that really didn't have that. It's, it's really interesting, that traditional form of media, because you are really like shooting blind. Like there's no way to tell who read your story or who read the That's first two true. lines and dropped out. You know, you can't measure your audience retention for a magazine. And yeah, I found it a really odd world. And I I just didn't fit into it either. It was a very interesting, like the media industry is very interesting. It's very fast paced. And I honestly found it a little bit superficial as well. And it was no. just me. Oh, <laughs> yeah, no, you mean those women's mags that talk all about Gosh. weight loss and, and, you know, plastic surgery are superficial. <laughs> Yeah. It's 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 just like you would see on Devil Wears Prada, but probably worse because I wasn't at a fashion mag. I was at like an entertainment magazine. Oh um, my yeah. So That'd I started, be stressful. It was very stressful as well. Yeah. That was a big thing. A big draw for me to um, being a digital nomad as well and starting my own business was because... I, I like never used my annual leave. Like I got to my, almost my third year working there was the first holiday that I took because we were in a weekly magazine. So you filed all your stories and all your pages on a Thursday and it rolls over to Friday and you're already behind on next week's issue. Like there was just, it was nonstop. And I think, you know, having a corporate lifestyle like that, there's probably people listening who can relate, who are working all hours, working weekends, I just don't think it's good for you. It's it's mm-hmm. not healthy. It's not good for your body, your soul, your mind, anything. And I knew I had to get out, but I just didn't know how. So I spent many, many months researching, you know, various online jobs, what I could do. I tried wedding videography at one point and do, did two weddings and was like, I hate this. Oh, <laughs> get <me> out! Like, <laughs> cross that off the Still list. Still working weekends. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, And then eventually I came across social media management and it was actually on New Year's Eve of 2018 going 2019 that I finally said, screw it. You know, I'd been looking at social media management for a couple of months and I was like, I cannot face another new year in this job. Like by the time I'm celebrating the next new year, I want to be gone. I want to have my own business. Mm -hmm. So I actually found it the other day when I was teaching a webinar, I found the messages that I sent at like four o'clock on New Year's Eve. I found some people on Facebook and were like, hey, can I manage your Instagram for a month just for free. I'm trying to build up my portfolio. And it was like the worst pitch I've ever, ever (laughs) seen in my life. But these people said yes, because they were small business owners and I was just offering my services for free. For free. And yeah, from there, it was also timed when I took my, that holiday, finally went overseas. Um, I took my four weeks annual leave and was like, I'm turning my emails off. I'm out of here. Like, don't talk to me. And it gave me that space while I was on holiday. I went to Italy with a friend and I I had that space to work on these two clients and experience what it was like to travel the world and be a social media manager. And I remember vividly sitting in our Airbnb in Verona one night and I turned to my friend I was like, I have to do this. Like, this is it. This is it. I love this. This is my Mm -hmm. future. And yeah, so I spent 10 months doing the old side hustle and just trying to build up my savings, build up my client list until I finally... I think <laughs> the the reason I actually quit was because I got in an argument with my boyfriend at the time because he was like, you're not going to do it. Like it's been, you know, eight months, 10 months, whatever it was, Ellen, and you haven't quit. Like, you're not going to do it. And I was like, I'm going to do it. And then he replied to his messages all day. And he's messaged me like, hello, are you okay? So, Sorry, did I upset you? And I'm like, no, nah, fuck off. Like Sorry, I shouldn't swear. <laughs> oh no, we swear here. <laughs> you know, the passion, it really comes down. Yeah, up it's fine. I, it's fine. Story. And yeah, I was finally like, I've just got to do it. I, I didn't tell anyone, like I didn't tell him I was doing it. I didn't tell my my parents. I'd moved back home at that point to, you know, prepare. I told them I was going to leave my job, but my mm-hmm. mom was just being like, oh, just keep saving, you know, see it through to the end of the year, blah, blah, blah. And she was picking me up from the bus stop and she was like, how was your day? And I'm like, I quit my job. And she's like, oh gosh. <laughs> so yeah, wow. it all kind of went from there. That was, um, November, December, 2019. And yeah, we went full, I went full time from there and just been slowly growing um, and growing the business, growing my sort of agency, as well as diving into uh podcast, YouTube, my own courses, my own coaching and yeah, building my little digital empire.
1: That's so awesome. I love your story. What would you say was kind of like the mindset shift you had to go through to actually leave your corporate Mm -hmm. job? Because that's safety, that's security.
0: Mm. It it was honestly terrifying. And I listened to so many podcasts just like this, listening to people talk about leaving their job. All that time I was building my side hustle. I was listening to things like that. I was being inspired by these stories and i felt so ready and then when it came time to actually quit to hand in my resignation i was terrified and that was why i put it off for so long because i think you don't really understand that feeling until it comes down to the moment mm-hmm. until it actually comes down to hey i'm going to walk away from that regular paycheck coming into my bank account i'm going to walk away from my annual leave from um, in New Zealand, we have KiwiSaver, which is a really nice retirement scheme, I think similar to your 401k. So, mm-hmm. all of these benefits, you know, I'm just going to walk away from that and, you know, go hang out with this business that at the time I was making around two or three thousand New Zealand dollars a month. So, I was actually, I built it up to match my um, corporate salary, which was three and a half thousand dollars a month. So, I was getting paid peanuts. <laughs> it wasn't too hard to match it. Um, but, it was still like, it wasn't a lot of money. I was living at home with my parents. And I honestly think the mindset was behind that decision was I was still terrified. You're not suddenly going to wake up one day and be like, it's okay. I can do this. Like I have no fear. I'm going to throw myself in. I think it was just a moment of desperation. I had just been on another work trip. And I had, I'd been on a work trip to Vegas and I was working that whole time. And I decided to take three days of extra annual leave just for myself, because again, I was in the States and that's so far away from New Zealand. And, you know, it was my second time there. And I was like, I want to go to New York. Like, this is my dream. I want to go to New York. I want to see this place. It's just so magical to me. And if you talk to anyone from New Zealand, we're just like, oh my God, the States, the UK, like these magical places. So I went, I went to New York. I had three days there. My phone would not stop going constant emails, constant oh my gosh. phone calls, people from work being like, Oh, can you just edit this video? There's no one else here who can do this. Or can you do this for me? Or can you do that? And at that point I was like, okay, this is like the point of utter frustration. Mm-hmm. I just need to get out. So I came home two days later and ended up quitting. And yeah, so it was just, I was pushed to the edge really, you know, I had friends and family or my boyfriend being like, you're never going to do it. You know, you're just, you know, going to be side hustling forever. Then I had the frustration of, I can't even take three days annual leave. And then within me, just, you know, focusing on that little, little piece of you that's saying you can do it. You can quit your job. I believe in you. Just focus on that little piece inside you. Ignore all of the self-doubt, which is probably a lot louder in your head. And just you just have to bite the bullet and take the plunge. And I always say, like at that time, I was 23 years old. And I was mm-hmm. like, I'm 23. I'm living at home. This is probably the best time to take a risk. I don't own a house. Mm-hmm. I didn't have a car. I w- didn't have any debt. I just paid off my student loan. I was like, why not take this risk now? And just see what happens.
1: Yeah. And you know, what's the worst that could happen is you get another job or you go back and ask for your old job, drop your ego a bit. But like, that's the worst thing that could happen. Wouldn't you rather do that than regret not taking that risk? And I think a lot of people sit on that decision, maybe in the corporate space, like they have this dream, but they have this income coming in. And they're just afraid to take that risk because maybe they need to have a plan of action. Maybe they need to have that security coming in. So what other advice would you give someone who is in that position? Let's talk about the person who wants to leave their corporate job and pursue this dream.
0: Mm. The first thing that comes to mind for me is a friend I have who is an accountant and similar situation, was in a corporate job, really didn't like it. And as another example, he wasn't in the privileged situation that I am in and that I was living at home and had no, you know, dependents or anything. He had just had a baby. He owned a home with his wife you know, there are expenses. He, you know, couldn't just go off and start his own accounting business. So what he's done, which I think is really awesome, is he made himself like a really specific plan with deadlines, planned it out over a year to two years. And what he's done is he slowly just scaled back his hours at his full-time job and... By doing that, he's giving himself some sense of security and he doesn't have to take that huge, scary plunge, mm-hmm. but he's committed himself to his business. He's made that plan and he's been like, okay, at six months, I'm going to be working uh, four days a week. And at a year, I'm going to be working two days a week. And it is a really g- slow, gradual process, but he's, I, I just feel he's being really smart about it. And he's thinking of the bigger picture. He knows, you know, when his kid is finally going to school, he's going to be working for himself and he's going to be able to, you know, drop his kid at school and pick him up and all of those little things that I think Mm -hmm. parents really appreciate and they miss when they go into a corporate job. So I think even if you're in a situation where... You you know have um, a lot of other things going on and you just can't up and quit. Make a plan. That's the best advice I can give you. Make a plan and stick to it. Think about your financial runway. Sit down and think about your expenses. How much money do you actually need to live off? That was mm-hmm. something that I did. I stripped everything back to a minimum. Like okay, how much rent do I need if I move home? How much rent do I need if I? Moved to live with my boyfriend at the time. How much do I need for power bills, my phone, and then had something like ridiculous, like I budgeted fifty dollars to go out once a month. You know, oh like my god, one nice meal. But that was my worst case scenario, right? I was like, if I was really, really, really budget, and you know, I struggled to find a client for the first couple of months. How much money did I need? And I, I worked it out to be something ridiculous, like. $1,800. And I was like, okay, it's not going to be the best life ever, ever, but <laughs> yes. you know, I'm not going to be having the most fun. Um, but I'll still have my Netflix subscription and I'll still have my one nice meal out of them. <laughs> and and you know, it's it's you know, having that plan so you can look at a number and realistically be like, okay, this is how much money I need to quit. And making yeah. that plan and sticking to the plan. Yeah.
1: And I'm like, I'm not a, I'm not going to condone debt, but I also am not a person that says debt is terrible. I was in debt. I was investing in my business on credit cards. So yeah, I was in debt the first year or two um, because I knew that it would pay off in the long run. So I don't, you know, condone that or like suggest that. But I'm also, you know, there are some people that, oh, you shouldn't have debt at all. Um, I just don't necessarily agree with that. Do you? Yeah,
0: I definitely agree. And I think that's the thing. If you're going to set up a business, you have to do it. You know, you have Mm -hmm. to invest in it properly and and do things. I don't want to say like the right way, because I think there's so many different pathways everyone can take, but you know, you do, you want to have some money to be like, if you're someone who's, um, I don't know, you're going to be going to lots of networking events to promote your business. You want to have some nice business cards. Like you want to be able to buy that, or you want to be able to invest in the amazing website with Courtney, yeah. or, you know, something like that. And I think that's important. I think the thing for me was like, I come from a family who's been through quite a few financial up and downs and I have a mom who's very like anti-debt. So mm. I actually just signed up for my first credit card ever at the age of 25 with my boyfriend. And that's a big barrier for me to break through. Cause I'm like, no, credit cards are bad. Yeah. Like, no. And I think that's like, again, uh, you, you have all these little things from your childhood that mm-hmm. shape your beliefs and your mindset that sometimes we have to break through. And I'm slowly learning that, hey, I shouldn't hoard all my money in one bank account. <laughs> and yeah. you know, that's not actually the smart thing to do. Even though I thought I was being smart because I'd seen those moments with my parents where You know, they'd lost their jobs and things went really south. And I was like, okay, I need to have, you know, this stockpile of money. So when I do lose my job and everything goes wrong, and I'm like, hey, actually that doesn't have to happen. I don't have to lose my job. And hey, I could invest that money and earn, you know, a whole bunch of nice interest. And I can get a credit card because I can actually be smart about it and earn like, um, I don't know if it's the same in the States, but we earn like airpoints. So like yep. air, airplane miles. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I just and paid for I, my birthday I, flight from my credit card points. I was like, exactly. Pays off to have a credit card.
0: <laughs> exactly. And it's little things like that, that I just had, you know, no idea because I just put up that wall and was like, okay, protect my finances. Credit cards are bad. Debt is bad. But yeah, yeah I mean, I had $15,000, that's going to sound so small to you, but $15,000 in debt for my university degree, which I know is probably like one semester in the US because it's so expensive there. But you know, I went into debt for a university degree. Why wouldn't I do that exactly. for you know, another course? Yeah.
1: Yeah. No, I, I, I think my debt was 15 to 20,000. And to me at the time, it was like, oh my gosh, that's a lot. Um, but then I hear other stories of like 100,000, 200,000, I'm like, oh, I can do yeah. this. Uh, I actually just saw, what did I see? A video or a post this morning about the difference of how wealthy mindset is versus rich mindset. And the wealthy mindset mm-hmm. or the rich mindset is save your money work a corporate job and have that paycheck coming in and don't use it. Like don't go into debt. Whereas a wealthy, they were talking about, you know, spend the money, go into, I'm just summarizing, but go into debt and then, like make investments because then have those investments pay off your debt in the long run. And I was like, oh, that's like a, that's a good way to put it or mm. a different pers- perception of it.
0: Yeah. My um, current boyfriend is actually a portfolio manager. So he's very into his finance. So he's teaching me all sorts of things like this that I just had no idea about, but it's something that I think I'm now actively trying to learn because it's so important as a business owner. Cause you know, mm-hmm. we, we are very creative, like, especially you, Courtney and I, you know, we are creating visual things. You're working on websites and working on social media. We love that. And probably, I don't know about you, but finances is my week. Oh, I hate week- numbers. <laughs>
1: exactly. Actually, <laughs> I'll change. I want to change that because this year I've, once I've understood numbers, they've actually become fun to me, but at first I avoided it. I avoided my bank accounts. I avoided everything, accounting, bookkeeping, just because I didn't know what I didn't know. Exactly. I, we're not and I th- taught that in school.
0: And I think as creatives, we're almost taught like, oh, you just do the creative things. You don't yeah. do the money stuff. And it's like, I even saw that with my parents, like my Although I actually you know my mom was involved with a lot of the finances, but you know, there's that traditional female male role of you know the females are the creative ones, or you know they're looking after the house and making the house look pretty and all these things, and the males are the ones who take care of the money and and manage the finances and the investments and all the stuff. Like even at my uh, boyfriend's workplace, most of them are male, so wow. it's it's you know an interesting dynamic you have to fight against and be like actually. I can be creative and I can be in charge of my own money and I can actually know what's going on.
1: Yeah. It's interesting. Like in the entrepreneur journey, you have to go through and break a lot of old beliefs and patterns to really get to where you want to be. And it's constantly overcoming those every day, every week, every month. Um, It's definitely a challenge. So let's kind of dive into the actual Instagram part, the actual fun part. Mm -hmm. Um, Share with the audience what social media management is, because I know there's lots of definitions of it, um, but what part did you get into?
0: Hmm. I decided quite early on that I loved organic social media. That was what I was drawn to. I didn't want to be sitting behind a computer managing ads and all of that kind of stuff, like looking in the Facebook ad center. I found that kind of boring. It didn't Mm -hmm. fulfill my creative needs. And I I love the energy that you can build with an organic audience. I'd experienced that with my blog and my YouTube channel, just, you know, creating content that connected with people was really awesome to see. So I decided that was going to be my specialty. And that's the thing with social media management. It is a huge, huge field. There's so many different pathways. There's so many different platforms. And my advice to people getting started is always to be that little bit more niche Mm -hmm. and Pick a platform, pick a sort of industry that you love and go for that instead of trying to do it all, you know, instead of trying to be the social media manager that does LinkedIn and Facebook and Instagram, but then also does email marketing and blogging. It's just too much. You'll get too overwhelmed and too confused. Um, So that was what I really learned getting started. I went for organic and I went for Instagram and I tried to work in kind of the fashion and beauty niche because that was what Mm -hmm. I was naturally interested in um but it did <laughs> i did take a few random clients who one sold dog food the other sold garage doors but i always say yeah a lot of people preach like oh stick to your niche when you're starting out as a social media manager and that's definitely true um but if you have no experience i think it's great to throw yourself out there and try a few different fields and industries and build up that experience and now i have the privilege of being able to pick and choose my clients but it was built from working with clients I didn't particularly love. I mean, who, who loves writing Facebook posts about garage doors? Yeah,
1: (laughs) (laughs) absolutely. I agree. When I first started, I, you you know, you can market who you help, what you do, but it doesn't mean you have to turn down other clients coming to you because just like you said, when you're first starting out, you do have to take on projects that you don't want to do Clients that, hey, like, I'm not really interested in this, but I can help you, that sort of thing. Um, in Another point that you made earlier is you took on your first client for free. I think there's this expectation that, oh, I'm going to start a business. Like, I shouldn't have to do anything for free or shouldn't have to do any grunt work or hustle work. I don't know where that came from, but it's not true. I think that was a great move on your part to offer service for free to get that testimonial because those are invaluable.
0: Mm, Exactly. And I think I see a lot of social media managers and myself included Preaching, you know, the value of a social media manager and how we should be paid well because we contribute so much to a business, and I firmly believe in that. But on the flip side, if you are just starting out, you can't just pitch to your first client and say you charge thousand dollars because yeah. that's what Alan charges. You know, I've been working on this for almost three years, including my side hustling, and it was a very slow, gradual build up of my prices. You know, I started my first clients; I charged them two hundred dollars, and some of them I was doing photography as well for that and posts, you know, four posts a week. Like that was a huge amount of work. But I think it's like, if you come into any corporate job, you don't go straight to the top. Yeah. You don't start with a salary at hundred K you start on your 30, 40, 50, wherever, whatever industry you're in. And you sort of, you grow from there. And I think it should be looked at the same with a freelance business. Yes. Social media management is such a valuable asset to a business and we should be paid for that value. But you can't be paid the same as someone who's been in it for five years, and that's something that just frustrates me a lot. I think on social media, a lot of a lot of other social media managers promote this as like, "Hey, you can start a social media management business and make ten k in your first month." And I'm like, "No, I made a thousand dollars, and I'm still chuffed with that." You know, I didn't get to that ten k until almost a year full time, and I love that about my business journey. I love that it was this slow, gradual, and sustainable growth for me.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think I, I actually remember interviewing for an OBM position and I interviewed this girl. She just started, like she just took her first course and like just starting out and she was charging $2,000 a month. What other OBMs were charging? I'm like, wait, this does not make sense. Like what makes you different? than the people who've been in the space for five, ten years. I've just never understood that. Like you have to start lower and you can't skip you can't skip the hustle mm. when you're first starting out.
0: Exactly. And I get so many social media managers messaging me being like, what's a charge?" Or I want to book this client, but I don't know what to price my services as. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, just start, just chuck a couple of hundred dollars and put a package together and be like, this is my rate. And if you work with that person for a month and discover like, whoa, this is way too much work or like, hey, I'm nailing this. I should be charging more. Or my indicator was completely bookied out by services, you know, that's Mm -hmm. a great indication that you're you're pricing too low, you're too much of a bargain. And you can just grow from there. Like start with a couple of hundred dollars and know, like you're the boss. You can change your prices at any time and you can make that decision. So I think a lot of people stress out too much about pricing when they're getting started when really it's probably just a limiting belief. It's their mindset getting in the way. They're too scared to start and they're making up excuses being like, oh, but I don't know what to price this as. So I'm not going to do anything. Yeah. It has to be perfect. Mm, Exactly.
1: I definitely struggled with that when I first started like, oh, what do I charge? How much, like how many hours? What if I mess up all these limiting beliefs, but it's truly trial and error. And you just said it like you're your own boss, and I think that's the hardest part for perfectionists. Is wait, I get to make the decisions. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I don't. I'm not used to that. Um, but it is just trial and error. If a lot of people are saying yes, like eighty to one hundred percent people, ninety to eighty to ninety percent saying yes. Okay, it's time to raise your prices. I think mm. the sweet spot is like fifty fifty um, you know, half say yes, half say no because of budget. Um, yeah, that's a, that's a challenging one to kind of figure out what to price Mm. your products offers services. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. So let's talk about how you grew your audience on Instagram. So you got your first client. Did you get them on Instagram or was it through Facebook? (laughs)
0: Yeah, it was through Facebook actually. And it was just through my personal Facebook profile because the big thing for me was when I got started, I didn't want anyone in my corporate job knowing what I was doing. Yeah, My manager, my boss, I didn't want them seeing what I was up to. And I didn't want them knowing that I wanted to quit my job either. Mm -hmm. So I very much did mine on the sly. I had no website. I had an Instagram, but that was my old Instagram for my blog, which was very much just like, you know, what an average Joe's Instagram was, a picture of your brunch, a picture of, you know, your playing (laughs) window on your holiday. Yeah. Yeah. So it it wasn't, it wasn't a business at all. I still had my YouTube channel as uploading every once in a while too, but it was very separate. And what I did to get those first few clients, it was just pitching. It was just, using my ordinary email address that was like Alan M Mac like it was nothing fancy and just sending out proposals and what I started doing once I got a, a you know those first few free clients um, I put together a little PDF and this is what I teach in my course for new social media managers as well I call it a PDF pitch and it's like okay I didn't have the money for a website. I didn't have the time to make my own website. So what I made was just a cute little PDF that showcased my work and listed my packages. And I'd email that off to people. And sometimes it was just finding 20 different businesses and sending them a proposal to get that one person saying, yes, you know, it it is, you know, that is the game. Sometimes you have to send a lot of pictures, but it worked. And it's exactly how I teach my students to get started now because, you're focusing on working for other people rather than just growing an Instagram page for yourself. That kind Mm -hmm. of makes sense. You know, it's getting that hands-on experience. And then on the flip side, when it came to quitting my job, that's when I was like, okay, time to go all in on my Instagram. I'd started posting a few more things in the lead up to leaving, you know, those, those couple of months. Um, because I did actually have to work out like an eight-week notice period for my job. So I had lots of time to prepare. So I started trickling in like the odd Instagram story or working on a client and kind of starting to transition my little personal Instagram account into something that was more of a business. And then when I launched, it went like full noise. And I still kept a lot of my personality. You know, there was a lot of posts in the early days of me being like this week in business and like this is what I'm doing. And I went on a retreat in Bali from that first month. So I documented that and really it was documenting that digital nomad life, the freedom and the flexibility as well as showcasing little bits of my clients. Mm-hmm. And I think that worked so well for me because when it came to turning on that social media and really promoting myself on Instagram, I had something to promote. I had clients to share. I had testimonials to share and that really benefited me because I launched with a lot of noise. You know, people Mm -hmm. were really interested. I had a lot of inquiries in that first month that I went full time because they could see I wasn't just someone starting up an Instagram page this month. Like I'd been working really hard behind the scenes And that's what then made it easier for me to book clients through Instagram because I had the social proof. I had the testimonials. And like you said earlier, those are gold. Those are Mm -hmm. so powerful when it comes to booking new clients. So yeah, that was my social media strategy. It went from dead silent, don't tell anyone. (laughs) I'm I'm here. I'm here. I'm loud and proud. Yeah. It was just documenting and sharing my journey and having those sort of businessy snippets in there and and definitely the early stages I was I was still learning about how to promote my business on on social media because I had been working with a lot of product based businesses in those early few months those were my first clients so I didn't quite understand this whole world of, of actually promoting a service on Instagram yet. I was still learning. Um, mm-hmm. So in my early days, it was just all photos about me and my business. And then I slowly started to be like, hey, actually, let's put more social media tips on here. Let's really showcase my knowledge. And then it was, you know, the clog started thinking like, hey, maybe I could do a coaching offer. You know, there's a lot of people coming to me who don't want a social media manager, but they just want some help. They want to mm-hmm. learn. So that was when I really started diving down this whole, you know, deep hole of the internet of service-based entrepreneurs and and webinars and funnels and all of these exciting things. And it unlocked a whole new world for me. And I started following those methods and yeah, ended up actually working now with a lot of service-based entrepreneurs because of what I built for my own business. A lot of, you know, I work with copywriters and other coaches Mm -hmm. and they come in and they are like, Oh, you understand how a masterclass to a course funnel works and you understand what it's like to promote a personal brand, but also have that call to action to an important service. Mm -hmm. So it really worked in my favor. And now that's kind of transformed into my niche is working with a lot of other service based entrepreneurs, which I love.
1: What would you say are maybe like your top two tips for someone wanting to grow their Instagram?
0: Mm. Number one has to be reels <laughs> at the moment. Um, that's where I've seen a lot of growth this year for my Instagram, for my clients. I always say before reels, we had to pay for that exposure. You know, you had to set up a Facebook or Instagram ad to reach mm-hmm. new people and to reach thousands of people. You were sinking hundreds of dollars into that. And now we can do it for free. So I think everyone should remember that and take advantage of it. And yeah, that's where you're really going to get your exposure from reels. And really just jumping on trending audios, but putting your own spin on it, making sure you still have the quality and your personality. You're not just doing a clone copy of somebody else. And then with that, if you're you know, putting a lot of effort into Reels, you still have to have good content elsewhere because those people who discover you on Reels are then going to look at your profile and they need more to draw them in to hit that follow button. Unfortunately, in this day and age, you have to work a lot harder to get someone to hit follow on Instagram. It's not as easy as the early days. So yeah, it's, it's all about... Um, having a profile that really sings to your ideal client, having that really good bio, a really strong profile picture, having your highlights organized, and then having alongside those reels, you also still want to be doing photos and carousels. A lot of people ask me, you know, are those even important now? Because reels are so popular. And the interesting thing is that when you go into your analytics, I've done this for my Instagram, so many of my clients and you can actually see your reach based on content in your in your Instagram insights now. Oh, yeah. So if you look at your Reels, it has a crazy blue line, which is like, this is how many new people you reached who didn't follow you. And then you go to the next one, and it's suddenly gone from a bar that's like this long, really <laughs> long, to like half of that. And it's like, this is your feed post and how many people you reached with that. So it's really obvious that Reels is reaching more people. But if you look at the details, your feed posts, they are reaching the people who already follow you. Mm -hmm. And I think that's really important not to get caught up in those vanity metrics of, hey, I want to have a reel that gets 100,000 views. You've got to think like, okay, well, we have to continue nurturing the audience that already has clicked follow. We have to provide them with really good content and value and keep showing up for them. So it's it's really important to remember Instagram is kind of like a puzzle. There's so many little things we should be looking after. And, you know, that doesn't mean exhausting yourself. It could just mean posting one reel a week and one feed post and a couple of stories. You can keep it that simple. Just focus on making sure the quality is there. The the, the saying that everyone who follows me you have heard me say this a million times, but quality over quantity every time. Yeah. To Instagram.
1: So when you say you grew on reels, did you post like consistently every day, every week? What did that look like? Because I've heard both... You know, I've heard both from some people, like "oh, it didn't make a difference," or some people are like, "yes, it made a difference, but not until halfway through." Um, what was your experience with that?
0: Yeah, I for for everyone listening for context, I have around five thousand followers at the moment, so I'm still a very small Instagram account, and I love that. And I work with a lot of clients who have similar follow accounts, and for me, I think there is that viral growth on reels if you want to post a reel every day for a month you know those there's those challenges but for me and my business that doesn't fit what i'm all about again earlier i was talking about the freedom the flexibility the the time to do other things and enjoy my life i don't want to be filming a reel every single day no, and that might sound odd <laughs> exactly that's probably odd coming from a social media manager you should be like, you know, content, content always. Like, let's go faster. Let's do more. Like I see people who like uh, are posting strategies being like, you have to post twice a day on oh, Instagram every day. And I'm like, no, you don't. <laughs> <laughs> so for me, it's, it's all about just working within your specific capabilities. How much time do you have to dedicate to your Instagram? And my ideal formula that I've sort of worked out is posting every second day. And that can be a reel, it could be a graphic, it could be just a standard photo, but that every second day allows you to be aware, sort of not aware, what am I trying to say? You're you're consistent. So you're showing up in the algorithm consistently, but you're not overwhelming your followers with heaps of content. You know, those people that are just Always, always posting, and it kind of gets a little bit annoying. Yeah. And it's it's a study I've done with a lot of clients when we switch to posting every day, maybe for a launch, or they just want to try it out for a couple of months, or they just have so much content. Like I have a client who we post five days a week just because they have so much to say and so many blog posts to repurpose. So we, we do that. But often, if I switch from every second day to every day, there is an immediate drop in engagement because your content suddenly isn't as special. If it's showing up every single day in someone's feed, they're not going to be engaging with it as much. And it's just this very distinct drop in engagement that I've seen with so many clients when we try it out. Um, But in saying that, I will switch to, like I'm posting every day at the moment Um, because I'm relaunching my course. So in those launch periods, I want to make as much noise as possible. But then before my launch, I was probably posting, I mean, sometimes only once or twice a week. Mm -hmm. Again, the ideal world is every second day. But if you don't have the capability to do that at the moment, that's okay. And you shouldn't feel pressured by all these other people posting 30 reels a day to do that. Um, For a lot of my clients who (laughs) maybe aren't too keen on reels, Uh, or just getting into it, my ideal formula is to have one reel a week. So with those posts every second day, once a week, you have a reel on there. And again, I've been experimenting with my recent launch, just posting a reel every single day. And it's working really well this launch, but the previous launch, it did it. Like all my reels flopped. They were like lingering under a thousand views. And I was like, come on, (laughs) watch my (laughs) reels!" So just posting every day, like sometimes it does work. It's working this week, but two months ago it wasn't working. So I think again, it comes down to that quality if posting every day for you means that you get exhausted or your reels turn, you know, a bit average and yeah. not that engaging because you're just exhausted of making them, don't do it. Find something that works for you because it's all to me Instagram growth at the moment is just about providing that quality content, something that someone connects with. And you know, you could have someone who skyrockets to 10,000 followers in a month, but do they actually have 10,000 genuine followers? Yeah. Because that's my big thing. We don't want to just have these metrics that make us feel good. We don't want to just look at our follower count and be like, "Oh, yay, we got two thousand, three thousand new followers this month." We want to be like, "Well, how much money did we make? Did those exactly that's buy anything?" And yeah, that's my big thing as a social media manager. I'm not here to fulfill your vanity net metrics and make you feel good. I want to help you make money.
1: Well, and yeah, you hit six figures with three thousand followers alone. And I exactly. I just said this on another episode, like. The vanity metrics don't matter as much anymore because I know some people who have a million followers and they have, they're have they struggling making money. Or I know people with 3,000 followers and they've hit six figures over and over again. So it doesn't matter as much anymore as we put pressure on it. And I think the strategies, when I first started, it was post every day at a certain time and that's what worked. But it doesn't really work Anymore, just like you said, yeah, I actually well, get better engagement. Yeah, I get
0: better engagement when I post less.
1: So <laughs>
0: yeah, it's just that quality. And like I, I was the same. My sister and I, when we ran our blog, we had what we called Instagram o'clock which was 8 p.m., which was the best time for posting in New Zealand because yeah. there was a chronological feed. Everyone was on Instagram at eight o'clock, best time to post. And our mum would get so annoyed with us because we were both, um, I was in high school, she was in uni, so we're still living at home. And eight o'clock would be around when we're finishing dinner. And my mum was very about, you know, <laughs> we all have sit down at the dining table. We all have dinner together and we're like trying to eat all our food, be like, mom, it's Instagram o'clock. And she's like, stop it. Oh and even gosh. today, like how many years later, she still makes jokes like, About Instagram, a clock, but that's not the algorithm anymore. Yeah. (laughs) it worked then, but it doesn't work as much anymore now. And I posted a reel the other day at like midday, which is when I'd never post. It's either the morning or the evening still for me. It's it's just a little yeah. bit of a wider bracket. It doesn't have to be eight o'clock on the on the dot. It'll be like a two hour window usually. But then I was like, Oh, I have this reel ready to go. I'm just gonna post it now. And it did really well. So it just proves to you that it makes you no can. sense. Yeah, exactly. You might as well just do different. it like
1: Do what you feel like because people are still trying to figure out this whole like reels. Why does one do better than the other? And all these, (laughs) there's so many different factors to it. Um, But talking about all this makes me want to do a different episode all about like content strategy um, because I think we could really dive in more and give some tangible action steps. Don't you think?
0: Yeah. Content strategy is a a big one and I love it. (laughs)
1: Yeah. I really, I really think we could, cause we could talk all day about this, but, um, okay. So to wrap things up, what advice do you have for trying to keep it on topic? Um, do you have any other advice for people in the corporate space wanting to leave to pursue their passion Mm. or just words of encouragement?
0: Yeah, I guess the big one for me was just listening to what I wanted. Again, coming back to Ellen as a kid, I was so obsessed with what everyone else thought. Mm -hmm. It was a big shift for me. I guess that was the beginning for me of, of growing my confidence and why my business changed me so much was because... I had to stop listening to my parents who were saying to stay in my corporate job and just keep saving. I had to stop listening to my boyfriend at the time who only wanted me to quit so that I would move cities and live with him. And he was being quite selfish, I will say. And that was his motivation. My, Mm -hmm friends you know who didn't probably quite understand because some of them were still at uni so they didn't understand how scary it was for me to quit they'd be like oh you want to quit go quit go yeah and i'm like no but but you don't understand <laughs> yeah. so it was about cutting out all that noise and just listen to yourself what do you want because it's really important to listen to you, to listen to your desires and what you need, because it is your life. And mm-hmm. I think it is important to be a little bit selfish and, and to do what you want to do. You know, we make so many sacrifices and sort of uh, in, in life, whether it's with a relationship or, you know, coming to some sort of middle ground with someone or where you live or various things in our life. I think if, you know, your job is such a big part of your life, you spend so much time at work, it's important to make sure you're doing something that you love not what your partner loves or your parents love or your friends think is cool mm-hmm. or you know for me you know everyone thought it was cool to be an entertainment writer but i didn't love it so it was important to listen to me and then i guess the, the next piece of advice for me i would say is is focus on building that mindset and that confidence Read books, watch YouTube videos, listen to podcasts like this, listen to people who are talking about limiting beliefs and how to grow your confidence because that is the best skill you can have in any any business, any industry, whether you want to do web design, whether you want to do social media, whether you want to be a podcast producer, whatever it is, work on that mindset, work on that confidence because... Something's going to go wrong in your business. Things will go wrong every week, probably. (laughs) That's the nature of being a business owner. And if you don't have that self-belief, that confidence, if you haven't worked on that, it's going to crumble overnight. You're going to throw in the towel. You're going to be like, why am I here? I'm going back to corporate because, you know, things will go wrong and they'll shake that self-belief and you have to make sure that it's rock solid and you've built those foundations.
1: And what would you say maybe one to two action steps
0: for someone
1: taking that leap of faith?
0: Mm. Number one, what I said earlier, figuring out your budget, doing that number crunching, uh, because it might surprise you. You might realize, Hey, actually I could actually quit my job right now, even though I just started my side hustle, you know, doing, doing that number crunching, creating a clear plan. Uh, for me, (laughs) I made a three month action plan. I was like, okay, this is my journey to quitting my job in three months. I sat down, I wrote it all out on my journal. I had income goals. I was like, okay, if I hit $1,000, my first month, $2,000, my second month, 3,000 in my third month because I loved the, the chronological one, two, three. <laughs> yeah. And I was like, okay, that's going to be my three month plan to quit. Unfortunately, I just didn't follow it. I hit those income goals and I couldn't do it still. But I think it, it, it did light a fire under my belly in terms of trying to book more clients and hit those goals because I did have that clear pathway. I had that plan of this is what I need to do and then I can quit my job. You know, mm-hmm. I think that goal setting, creating the plan is so undervalued. Like it it can be really powerful.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I love that. Ah, this was so good. I, we have to do another episode about content and just dive more into Instagram. I think that would be a really good one. Um, but cool. Thank you for coming on the show. If you don't have anything else for our listeners, I think they they'll be able to really take away and relate to this, like especially, you know, I don't know a lot of people that have left the corporate space. So this is really special. Um, So thank you for sharing your story. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Um, So we're actually going to do a podcast swap. So go check out her
0: podcast. Uh, Where can people find you? Um, Alan McKenzie over on Instagram and that's spelled with an E. I just have a horrible Kiwi accent. So it sounds like <laughs> I'm saying Alan with an A. <laughs> it's Alan McKenzie with two E's on the end. I have a very pink, hot pink profile picture. So you can't miss me. Um, and my website, which Courtney helped me design my yeah. com. and she's working on a new sales page for me. So I'm, I'm a big fan of Courtney and her team. <laughs> um, and yeah, the, my podcast is Dishing Up Digital with Alan McKenzie. So make sure you come listen to Courtney's episode.
1: Yes. Awesome. Well, we will catch you guys in the next episode
0: as always. Thanks for listening. And if you
1: love this podcast, don't forget to subscribe or leave a review on iTunes and share it with a friend or on Instagram to help support the show. If you want additional resources to help you grow your business, you can find them on my website at courtneymarieco.com co.com or below in the show notes.